Hey gang, welcome to episode 245 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro studio, the No Pro everything here in Los Angeles, aka my kitchen table. This week on the show, we've got uh, an old an old friend of the show, Robin Arnott, uh, who's the lead designer of SoundSelf and also the CEO of a company called Andromeda, uh, and Lyle Maxson, who is the chief strategy officer for Andromeda. And we're coming together to talk about SoundSelf, uh, Technodelics, we'll get into that. And uh, what's fun about Robin and Lyle is they come... Uh, chiefly from two different worlds. Robin comes from kind of like the indie game world and Lyle comes from the uh, music festival world and they have a shared interest in transformational technodelic experiences and that has birthed uh, the company Andromeda. Uh, And this week after many, 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 many moons of development, uh, SoundSelf, which we'll get into what it is and when I first saw it right off the bat, uh, is... uh, Coming into uh, the the wider world on uh, the uh, PC and Mac headsets, and also PC and Mac uh, flat screens as well, uh, it's it, it takes many forms. Uh, and Robin unleashed uh, what he calls the Technodelic Manifesto, which uh, dropped this week on Medium. Links to all that, of course, will be in the show notes. It has been a busy week at No Persinium. There are a bunch of reviews on the site. Uh, we also got name checked in the New York Times this week, uh, thanks to a critic's notebook piece. Uh, we'll put those in the show notes. Uh, the column for the indoor kids this week makes reference to it. And there's a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, Tribeca has their Cinema 360 is opening up today, which is viewable on Oculus TV. So there's VR stuff happening. We've got reviews of remote shows. Uh, there's more remote show reviews that we're coming up and doing right now. Uh, So the team as a whole is super engaged. So welcome to the new era. In terms of work, it looks like the old era. Uh, That's for darn sure. Um, A couple of things. Uh, The Patreon is is dog paddling right now. You know, uh, patreon.com slash no proscenium. I definitely need the help uh, because uh, rent's due in about two weeks. So uh, this time out, we've got some new pledges. I'm not sure if I caught, I think I caught Corey Nine Wicks and Tom Henley last time, but uh, Deborah Lamack and uh, Emma Liddell came through, and uh, Matt Bamberg Johnson of the Speakeasy Society, uh, who's also been heading up Leia's uh, COVID-19 relief fund, uh, he he upped his pledge. And um, I don't say this enough, Matt, you know, Matt, um, we don't deserve Matt. I know I don't deserve Matt, but we in general don't deserve Matt. He does so much. So much. Uh, and along with, you know, he's, they've got the baby. they got the baby now. You probably didn't know that. So much, and he's a new dad. Just thank you, Matt. Thank you so damn much. Um, we, in terms of the overall of everything, like, we're kind of back to where we were at the end of last month, um, which is great. And we've added four patrons. We've also lost people. I'm expecting another churn because there's been more layoffs and we're dependent. And, like, yeah. Uh, if you can... 
uh, most of you, good number of you do. So good number of the regular listeners. There's not much more. Please do not you add more money. Help us find some people to add some money, right? If we can spread this out, if we had a thousand people dropping in $5 a month, uh, I'd, I would no longer make these pitches. I would just do a very short thing, right? That's the goal. A thousand people dropping in the cash. Um, see, it's easier that way. Uh, or if perhaps you own a chain restaurant and have gotten a payment protection. <laughs> Gee, where'd all that small business association money go to? Oh, to Shake Shack? Really? Awesome. Ruth Chris Steakhouse? Cool. Uh, am I cynical? You betcha. But something that isn't keeping me cynical is uh, there's a new Fiona Apple album out today. Uh, maybe it came out, actually, it came out yesterday, but I didn't get it until like, you know, midnight last night uh, when I saw a tweet. And I was like, oh my God, it's here. Uh, and then probably started to listen to it. And, uh, and then went to sleep and then woke up and, and went back to listening to it. Uh, I've got two songs left to go, so I didn't do a full session. That'll, that'll be my treat uh, later this weekend. Uh, oh, it's good. It's really good. I mean, it's being praised to high heaven and like it's not being praised enough. Um, I know some people like to read up on the album before they listen to it. I am the exact opposite. So like I'm waiting to finish my listen or at least my first, maybe my two of them. Experience, right? I want to experience the thing uh, as it's without any filters on, uh, which is why it's ironic that I am a critic of any kind because I understand the people who do not want to engage with criticism. But there's another way of not engaging with criticism that isn't healthy, and that's called not listening to feedback, um, which is a sub-theme of this week's column in the Indoor Kids uh, uh, newsletter. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's this... Um, there can be this impulse uh, when there's criticism to uh, recoil and to sort of shut down and not listen. And I think right now people are trying a lot of experiments and I want to encourage everyone to try their experiments. And I'm very happy to see a lot of people are doing this on like a pay what you can or on a free basis. Um, you know, sometimes I think that's out of a sense of like, well, we won't be doing this for long, so let's just have some fun. Uh, and then there's other folks who, you know, are definitely trying to like create revenue streams for themselves um, in this moment. And that is also completely understandable because a lot of people have lost their revenue streams um, and and things aren't stepping up the way they should. Nevertheless, the race to go out and do work um, can sometimes, you know, kind of leave you hamstrung when it comes to making good work. So dial in uh, right now to this moment and sort of understand that your audience is in a space it's never really been in before, okay? Uh, and we need to be meeting the audience where they are. Fun fact, you know, I happen to know that podcast listenership for like all podcasts is down. Uh, I see those stats, I see it in our own stats, and I also know it from, you know, listening to other people uh, talk about you know, listenership on their podcasts, and then I notice it in my own behavior. I am not listening to as many podcasts as I used to, which makes the the amount of work that goes into doing these remote ones extra ironic. Like it takes more post production than normal because the systems are terrible. Uh, speaking of which, I got to go do that in a moment here, so you have a listenable podcast. Um, all those things in mind. Uh, sorry, my brain, you know, goes here and it goes there and it goes there and it comes back to the point. And the point is the old tricks won't necessarily work right now. The old themes you were on won't necessarily work right now. And the first thing that comes into your mind, uh, might not be the best idea. So take a moment 
to breathe before you make. And when feedback comes in that people aren't necessarily connecting with your work, don't take it as a condemnation of everything you've done, but take it as a temperature check on where the audience is. All right? Because the audience is in a place it hasn't really been before. And I don't have, like, the answer for what to do about that, but it starts with an act of empathy, and it starts with asking the question, well, where are people now? And what's missing from my life? And what's missing from their lives? And how does that line up? And what gift do I wish someone could give me? What gift do I wish I could give someone, right? There's a way of thinking of art as a gift and of it fulfilling a, a need, a want, a desire. And that methodology uh, will come in really handy right now, particularly because I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, and I know there's this race to get the country back, you know, in terms of working and there's there's all this other stuff. But, you know, entertainment's going to be the last thing to get spun back up no matter what. And frankly, right now, looking at what's going on, we're going to have a relapse because some folks aren't taking this seriously. And in, in a city that's taking it seriously, uh, I can say that's very frustrating. Um, and I know I'm talking to mostly to people who are in the cities that are taking it seriously, but just know we're going to get stuck here a little, a little longer because the remedial classes didn't do their homework. And yeah, I said it like that, and I don't effing care. Um, that's enough of that. It's been almost 10 minutes now. The coffee's working today. Uh, I hope this finds you well. <laughs> I'm supposed to lead with that, and I never do. But I do hope this finds you well. Um, I feel like we've been... Uh, um, well, anyway. Uh, I, I don't know how this finds you at the moment. Do let us know. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's going on out there. We want to know what's missing f from you uh, and what could be of use. Uh, we have recorded some more podcasts and we'll be recording more podcasts. And if you want to listen to these things live when they happen, if you want to uh, connect with the people on the podcast, kind of like right after and sometimes when we do the AMAs during, uh, you can join up the Patreon uh, starting at the $2 a month level. And that gets you access to the Discord. And the Discord is where we record them live and hold other events. And we are definitely continuing that process and spinning up some more. And I'm going to work on some AMAs uh, in the coming weeks. So patreon.com slash no proscenium. Uh, the sustaining backers who keep this thing going uh, are, drumroll please, as he digs up the notes because he doesn't want to mess up. Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, and Brittany. Uh, and congratulations to Ari for uh, getting a carve-out for musicians in California's AB5. Very good work there, sir. All right. I'll be back on the other side for uh, briefly, probably, because I think I said everything I need to say. And uh, yeah, uh, let me go do some audio work for you to get rid of some pops. Enjoy the show. <laughs> Robin, the last time you and I talked, uh, 
wound up being at Lyle's house by the time we were done with it, uh, like a little, a little less than a year ago. Was that last year's E3? Oh, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but maybe it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, the weird thing to me is like, even though that's less than a year, because E3 is always, well, E3 was always in June. Um, now, like, it, that feels like 10 years ago to me. Yeah, yeah back, back in the uh, pre-Armageddon times. Yeah, yeah, before the apocalypse, before the revelation. Um, so what's what's the status there? Um, what's, what's up with the company? <laughs> oh, man, wow. Um, well, we, I think since then, we shipped Audio Trip, which was our first game. And that was a PC VR exclusive at first, and we're about to ship that on Oculus Quest. And uh, we're also just about to ship Sound Self, which is uh, Andromeda's second game. It is very special to me because it's uh, my personal project for the last eight years. Um, so, I mean, real obviously now it's really interesting times for everyone right now. I've, I feel extremely grateful I mean, the timing of this timing of this is is crazy because sound self is a meditative experience. It's a it's a trance experience, and there's a, such a need right now for um, you know people are anxious and they also have to be at home. And I'm all like I'm all about look we can we can change our relationship with technology, and and here we all are together in a pattern interrupt, and sound self is just getting wrapped up right now in time to offer people something a little different very different um so that's that's my my big focus in the last year has just been finishing sound self you know it's been eight years in the making no I, and i i remember seeing like the early early days early, you saw early. early days of it back at indicate in what was that that was about 2013 2014 oh but like even maybe even like a little before that because i saw the i saw uh the 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 tool shack version right so at South by Southwest, at South by Southwest, yes, you yeah. saw the Tool Shack version. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is back in the day. Yeah. That was before our Kickstarter. It was before the Kickstarter. Yeah. So it was like it was like the the house out there on you know redacted, and uh, during. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even aware of what this is. I would love to okay, know. Okay. So we'll Lyle, you, you don't know about the. I, I almost called no. it the Cuddle Puddle version. <laughs> <laughs> but well now okay, I've said that, okay. but like yeah. I'll tell uh, you you describe it. You describe it, Noah. Oh, okay. So I mean, well you built it, but sure, why not? Um so I saw this at South by Southwest twenty XX. Um and that was maybe a year or two after like I had met you at Indiecade at E three. Um when you were showing something else, uh, deep sea, deep, deep sea. Deep yeah. That sea. was my, yeah. my yeah. gas mask game. That exactly. Suffocates you. Yes. Um, so, which was, which was purely sound driven. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I was anyway, so the, 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 how does it work? Um, in your tool shed in the backyard, uh, you had built, uh, essentially like kind of a cuddle puddle yurt scenario, with a bunch of pillows on the, the ground and a, a projector projecting up onto the ceiling and a microphone dropped from the ceiling. And the idea was that you and other people lay on the f- floor, on the pillows and whatnot, um, clustered around the microphone, 
uh, and together operated the visualizer through intonation. So it was a group intonation experience. Back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What's so interesting about that is that we're, you know, I'm always such an advocate for making sound self a multiplayer experience and to know that since it's, you know, first incarnation that that was the intention behind it is, is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we did it uh, shortly after that. We brought it out to Burning Man. You know this, right, Noah? Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we brought it out to Burning Man, and that was a multiplayer experience as well, so you could play it with multiple people in Deep Playa. Yeah. The, the, the current version does not support multiple players. It's mostly just a, a UI concern because we haven't figured out a, a good way to communicate to players, here's how you add a second microphone, but I'm sure that will be coming not too long after launch. Well, also, I mean, like when you started with it, it was, I think, literally pre, because so the South by it was like that was South by, and then I think it was a couple of months later was the E three that the very first version of the Oculus was mm, making the mm. rounds like upstairs, mm. and it was yes, I remember yeah. that, and so you could like see it at CCP's booth where you could do what would become e valkyrie but it looked like they had just hacked wing commander i mean that's uh, that's underselling what they did but graphically it looked like they just hacked wing commander and you they handed you an xbox controller uh put you know the first version of oculus on your head and you're like congratulations you're a starfighter pilot and then on the floor at indicate a did, couple did we of do people that had. together noah did you and i play that together I don't think we were on the same shift, okay, but okay. I'm sure we both saw it around the same time. And then there was like someone on the floor at Indicade had like kind of a horror experience. It was Aaron, what's his name? That's it. Yeah, if a that was if a tree falls in the forest. Yes, yes. Um, and that that I thought was like you know, it was, it was also interesting. I was like, well, this is weird, you know. But like between those two, I could like see. You get to kind of like see the field and where things might go, and just everyone in the game press like lost their mind because of what they saw in the CCP booth, and then it just kind of went from there. And then like yeah, it was like I can't remember if it was a at a GDC where you first had the first headset one. I think it, so. At that E three, we had an early headset version of SoundSelf mm. because we we the when so SoundSelf the idea for it came to me from an LSD trip at Burning Man about a year before. And uh, we started working on it just about maybe a month before the Oculus Rift Kickstarter was announced. Mm. And um, and once that was announced, it was just so obvious that we should be developing for virtual reality. Yeah. Uh, and, si- and since then, we've worked really hard to make it work not on virtual reality because it's, honestly, it's a great experience just... just sitting looking you got to turn off the lights like for god's sakes turn off the lights but it, it, it can be a really wonderful experience just I, I i had an experience with it um with lights off and a cup of tea just and a flat screen just the other day and it was it was magical but but when we found vr it was so exciting because nobody knew what the fuck it was still nobody knows what the fuck vr is you know we're still figuring it out and i it, it was just so exciting to be able to to step into this field and say look, this is a new technology, and with this new technology, we can do new kinds of experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, people were, 
we're really excited to to try something new. I think people are always kind of excited to try something new, but with with virtual reality, that that excitement as a as a creative that's such a potent moment because you, you get a chance to kind of step in and impact the public narrative about something. And, and fortunately, I think we're still there. I remember early days of Sound Self when I thought it was only going to take like two or three years to make. I was like, okay, this is the window to impact people's conversation about virtual reality while it's fresh. And um, I guess to my uh, good fortune and the bad fortune of the industry, Sound Self has taken eight years to make and the VR industry has also taken several years to take off. Yeah, it's it's funny because like at the time, I think we were all still riding high from and, and here's where I think we can maybe like bring Lyle into this. We were all, I think, really riding high on the idea of what's the next iPhone. And mm. Mm, it's yeah. like that that there seemed to be almost like a logarithmic progression of technology. Like it's just like, oh, we're just gonna like knock down all of these oh, barriers. Oh yeah. Right? And so everyone rushed and that's and all the money rushed in thinking that's what it was gonna be. And I think what what so many people overlooked was once you were suddenly dealing with spatial based computing technology, you were having to solve all kinds of new UI issues and develop brand new grammar for how experiences were going to you get created, at least if you were coming from a traditional computing background, right? Like you just, you, you didn't have, you, you had your graphical user interface, you had those metaphors, but it's like no one had done the equivalent of, you know, you know the, the, the grandmother of all demos where they like showed off, like these are the six things you can do with a computer desktop interface. Like we hadn't even gotten that phase. Lyle, you're, you're the strategy guy here and you've also got a big background in the, the concert festival circuit. So how do you look at the VR field and, and this whole idea of sort of experiential at home? Well, I mean, it's definitely a timely question with, with everything happening with COVID. You know, we're seeing VR, social VR explode right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the live event world, that's actually how Robin and I initially got connected was through a space I was curating at a, a bunch of insomniac festivals and, and other places called the Quantum Lounge, which was the fusion of a lot of this consciousness meets technology in the form of either um, biofeedback vibrating beds or, uh, or things like VR, um, light therapy goggles, um, a variety of different I, I wanna... technologies. Lyle, I want to paint a picture here of what, what it was like to meet you because everybody listening Go to this can't it. see you. So Lyle, Lyle brings me into this, to, to this, he calls it the Quantum Lounge, but it's, it's like, I mean, this was at the Oregon Eclipse Festival. So already we're out in Oregon. It's beautiful. The, the moon is about to come in front of the sun. It's just like, like people are so alive. And I meet Lyle and he's this fucking Pleiadian angel man with like nine other Pleiadian angel people working for him. I mean, I mean, super high vibing team. Uh, everyone's meditating and, and I come into his space and we set up sound self on this fiber acoustic bed, but he's got like gong sets there and just um, uh, people using essential oils for consciousness state shifting. So uh, Lyle immediately like super inspired me just with the, the level of stuff he was working with and and the the uh, 
the energy he was bringing to it. I, I kind of yeah. I mean, at that festival alone, we brought we brought in a float tank, an actual deprivation oh God, tank yeah. with you know the the I guess I guess it's like over I think it's over 500 pounds of Epsom salt that we trucked in, and mm. then we were figuring out how to connect a water line to fill up the float tank and uh, have you know it close enough to the showers for people to wash the salt water off when they were done. Uh, we had Jason Styles, who's the owner of this company called iPyramid that uses electromagnetic frequencies to uh, create these these fields, these healing frequency fields around the space. And he gridded the entire uh, hotel, which took up a ton of power because we were plugging it into like every uh, possible uh, outlet that we could that we could come across. So, yeah, it was a very interesting spaceship type experience. Um, and people were actually staying there as well. It was built out as a hotel. Um, so people could just wake up and jump right into these healing technologies. But, um, yeah. And, so and Lyle answer... says, Lyle says hotel, but the, so, so just to give people listening a visual, this is the Oregon Eclipse Festival. So it's like the, this grid of, of beautiful tent spaces with, with mattresses. And it was just like, it was like a five-star hotel in a camping, in a camping facility. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was very interesting. A lot of international guests uh, for people that didn't want to fly with their tent and their sleeping bag and all their camping things. It was like this plug and play option for them to really have a the camping festival experience without um, having to fly with everything. So yeah, definitely a very eclectic crowd in our in our camp as well. Um, but yeah, so to, to bring it back and answer your question, you know, we've been really looking at uh, what biofeedback and the whole craze of wearables and the whole longevity movement right now and, and seeing how that's going to play into the evolution of, of VR and, and what it means to be able to hook up your own biometrics, either through an Apple watch or an aura ring or even a Fitbit um, into the experience but what's so great about SoundSelf is that you don't actually need any other hardware. It just utilizes the microphone that's already built into the headset. Um, but I, we are seeing this huge convergence of consciousness and technology and, and people wanting to upgrade what I keep saying is like the real world avatar that is you. So as opposed to spending all this money um, in these games like Fortnite to build out your avatar, uh, why not? focus on playing games that you could take the skills that you learn from that game and apply it into your real life avatar once you take the headset off. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I see the industry going. I think we're still a few years away from that, but companies like Muse um, and, and others are, are learning how to gamify um, the meditative and mindfulness experience. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a very bright future um, for for all of us, sometimes virtual reality and, and biosensors is particularly interesting. So Lyle talked about Muse and and they're working on attaching EEG, which is electroencephalogram, mm -hmm. to VR headsets. And there's a, at least one other company called Luxid Labs that's doing the same thing. Um, and I know that once once they get eye tracking into these devices, we're going to be able to detect heartbeat through that. So it's a really really potent moment for game designers and experience designers because once you, once you get access to biometrics you can you can design a very different kind of experience now so sound self doesn't use those biometrics but but it uses your voice and from your voice we have we have um, implicit access to your breath 
talk to me a little bit about um, the eye tracking and your your pulse, because I watched I watched one piece. Um, God, the name of the game I'm trying to remember right now, but came out of Flying Mollusk. Um, it was a horror based game. It's really sad because like a couple of my friends, like well, you know, one of them was a friend already, and then a, another one became a friend in time. Made this thing. I'm trying to remember the name of the game. It was a horror game uh, that was really all about, you know, uh, you know, maintaining your composure like through it. So the idea was that you were like die, kind of like kind of like a serial serious psychonauts who were like diving into like mindscapes and like you know dealing with nightmares and trying to like you know calm the the, the scenario down. And it started off uh, you needed a Garmin chest strap like the, the first version of it, and then in time it was just using a Prime Sense camera. So talk to me a little about the idea that um, once the eye tracking goes into the the headsets, like most of the time that's thought of as a way of dealing with some rendering issues, uh, you know, creating better graphics and uh, limiting some of the, the motion sickness that people can kind of have. So like bring that along. How How is this going to work with, with biofeedback setup? Well, once you, once you have... Once you're tracking the eye and where it's looking, you might be able to notice this right now. If you just sit really still, you might be able to notice your pulse. I notice this when I'm meditating sometimes. My pulse actually vibrates my eye. Um, so if you're detecting micro eye movements, you can detect pulse. Mm. And if you can detect... And it's not only... That's not the only thing you can detect by looking at the eye. I mean, there's the the amount of of dilation of the eye tells you a lot more about a person's psychology than it does just about how bright the thing they're looking at is uh, so having access to eye dilation and um and pulse and then you throw eeg on top of that i mean this is just a maybe a year or two away and it's going to it's going to and it's going to take longer than that for designers to really learn to take advantage of that because the way most people most designers most experienced designers most game designers think is um they think about the player more or less as as an ego more or less as as a person who is trying to achieve a certain outcome which which is inherited from you know decades and decades of game design but once you once you actually start to think about the player in in instead of as um say a game designer to a player you start to think of the player as um as like a meditation teacher thinks of their student or a guru thinks of their student i hate to say that but it's just just to like like prod your imagination a little mm -hmm. bit you know how you see this person who's on the other end there uh, really impacts the kind of experience you make for them and biometric data really leads itself towards experience design that is much 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 more nuanced and intimate I always think of this stuff as there's a lot of things that we sort of learn implicitly or inherently kind of growing up. And we, we learn them at different scales and some of us are better at certain aspects of it than others. But definitely when you're an actor, you learn to kind of tune into your scene partner and it can be, it can be like way too much information sometimes. And so like, you know, you can kind of get overstimmed and like want to like step back. I know that's often my own experience of it, like using those techniques in reality. Um, but you, there's, but people put off a lot of information and in an improvised setting, 
you know, people start to kind of like shift and morph and, you know, respond to someone who's maybe a little more charismatic, all of that, you know, it's, it's weird to think about it. And this is why I love talking to you about any of this stuff. There's a way of looking at that as there's a bunch of postural and uh, positional data that is being generated by a body in space that is being picked up on by the sensors attached to other bodies and spaces, people, eyes, ears, you know, kinesthetic awareness, yada, yada. And then that gets interpreted as intent, uh, action, and then intent, meaning, etc. And as we're able to sort of blade these things out and kind of like, you know, finally slice them and pop them into a computer, uh, we, we can make some guesses, sometimes probably wrong guesses, about, I guess, like the mean, like like when you see this, it is most, when you see this in combination with this, it most likely means that. And then you can kind of pop out a reaction, uh, you know, based off the interpretation of intent. Um, yeah. Our, our biological attunement to one another is yeah, insanely um, quick and precise yeah. and fine-tuned and it's it's an amazing miracle that is happening every moment when we're talking to one another that we can attune to one another yeah i mean we often Ooh. we often completely miscalibrate yeah but yeah we also <laughs> sometimes don't completely miscalibrate yeah and even even just just to to like normalize perspective here what completely miscalibrate might mean you know what you mean by that might mean Jaw you know with you about saying is... something a little racist or or but but you're not gonna like you and I are talking to each other and I'm I'm not going to like start babbling nonsense at you you know or in, insulting you horribly or if we were together like stab you or something you right. know it it's it's the the amount of and you see you could when you you see the attunement start to to decay a little bit with people who have Alzheimer's or or children you know children's attunement like imagine like engaging with a child as though they were an adult and your expectations would be completely you know thrown out the window because they're 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 little little beautiful monsters um <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and there's also there's also you know heightened states of 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 awareness or consciousness or just altered states and that's often something you know i had a i had a, I had a good talk it's sad we didn't get to do it at um at the 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 summit this year, but there was a talk between some of the folks uh, who work on Electric Forest, and we were talking about sort of the some of the experiential work that they've been putting on there, and sort of the way that the crowd has um, you know reacted to it. So I, I was kind of looking to Lyle again for a second here, you know, as you know, the 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 scale of festivals is so broad and big tens of thousands of people coming through and the scale of um a lot of experience design that whether it's for at home vr or some of the immersive theater stuff that that we do is super intimate and i'm sort of where do you where do you see the the sort of spectrum of this stuff going is is there a pathway from the intimate to the spectacular Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting when we're talking about, you know, so Robin mentioned Luke's or Lu Luke's Labs, however you mm -hmm. pronounce them. They're, Luke's, they're based Luke's out of 
Luke said, yeah, they're based out of South Korea. Um, I tried their experience with the EEG hardware that they developed that attaches to the headset and they have their own content that's really focused on, I mean, it was one of the more, more incredible experiences I've tried in VR to date. It was, it felt like Jedi training where there was a bunch of boxes on the ground. And the first experience I had was a mindfulness test. So if your thoughts wandered at all, um, these boxes would stay on the ground, but as you started to clear your mind, they would start to levitate and they would levitate higher and higher up to the ceiling. And if, and again, if you like broke that, um, that state of, of emptiness, then all of a sudden they would drop to the ground. So you're like, you're training your mind and you're watching in real time as these boxes, uh, you know, react to that. And then they had the second feature, which was a focus feature. So it was the complete opposite. So instead of relaxing your mind, you're actually focusing directly on the boxes. And the more you focus on them with as much intention as possible, they would levitate and again, fall if you broke focus. Um, so I thought that was a really cool way to see how this technology could actually play out in like this more of like personal development. Mm -hmm. But then on the larger scale, you know, I've even been, I, I think that, that a lot of this biometric stuff will start to or these, these wearables and things will start to integrate directly just through Bluetooth, um, similar to how they all connect to our iPhones now. And it's, it's really interesting to think that, you know, on a larger scale, whether it's Facebook and, and their Horizon, um, you know, kind of the Oasis platform that they're developing, where all these wearables are, connect, are connected directly and they're influencing your experience without you even having to... Uh, you know, volunteer for it. So like the conscious community a lot talks about your vibe attracts your tribe and, you know, as at a festival and, and these large gatherings, a lot of times, like when you're, you know, in this very euphoric state, you're going to draw those people towards you. And then when you're not in that such a euphoric state, it's like the spiral. And that's, I think what brings people back to Burning Man so often is that it's just, it's exaggerated and heightened to such a level that, you know, your mood completely dictates uh, your state of mind completely dictates where, where things are and who you come in contact with. Um, and it's just like the snowball effect. So I think it would be really interesting to see something like Facebook Horizon start to integrate all, these, all this biometric data to where when you're walking around and you're calm and relaxed, you're actually attracting those people, almost like a lighthouse or something. Um, I think that HRV is one of the more significant measurements because you could take so much from just that one, just from your heart rate variability, but to see someone's heart and coherence and, uh, and it actually like having this very high HRV ranking would, you know, make them like illuminate or something where you're like drawn to these people, these lighthouses. And on the reverse side, if your heart coherence is really low and you're not tapped into um, you know, your, your inner work, then all of a sudden you're going to be, you know, what's similar to being in LA in traffic. If you're pissed off, like you just happen to find all the people that are just as angry as you are while you're on the road. So I think it could be, especially with the evolution of social VR and how much everyone's talking about that with, with COVID now, um, the ability to, um, attract like minds through biometrics um, I think would make it that extremely, you know, like you said, magnificent version of, of what these large scale live events do. There's two roads, there's two roads in here that, that, that I think are worth exploring. One is this kind of idea of 
finding ways to visualize or signal some stuff that probably IRL comes through in terms of how people are carrying themselves, right? Like, you know, if someone's in a in a bad space, you know, their shoulders are set a certain way, they may be, you know, moving quickly, their eyes are cast down, and none of this stuff gets translated easily into into VR. So so that's that's one thing. That's that's kind of a really interesting idea that there's ways to like kind of manifest that. And in VR, of course, it could if someone's having a bad day or someone's in a, in a bad space, like they could literally have a gloomy cloud following them around. Like literally, mm-hmm. that could be what's happening. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I mean, there's ways in which kind of an over concentration of of one type can kind of get a little toxic, right? Like I think about the way online culture goes right now and there's there's a lot of folks in social media in particular, they spend a lot of time, uh, you know, indeed like attract, like I think of the cycle of people who load up someone's mentions, usually like a, like a blue check mark person's mentions being vitriolic and then they sort of like hook up with other vitriolic people and then kind of form little brigades and like toxic stews of, of, of social media mishmash. And I almost wonder if, if creating more obvious feedback loops and finding ways for people to like vibe more easily with their tribe might just lead us to more polarization and less empathy, less willingness to kind of reach out and like create an interrupt. Like, like we might be passing over a moment to like identify that, yo, someone's, someone's in a space where they actually need help and we can interfere here or we can, we can, we can step forward. I think with what you're naming about the value of the interrupt is really potent and it's especially potent like right now mm. as, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, because right now we are in a cultural interrupt and everybody is more or less tasked with, with the same mission right now which is which is um you, you can't leave your house so look at yourself so stay here and look at yourself and you're gonna have to be doing that for a while we don't know how long yeah you know here i'm in texas we st- we don't know how long that's gonna last um and so there's a i, th- I think the sensitivity of this technology is um it can provide that 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 interrupt, whatever, and, and 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 the interrupt will look different to everybody. But the value of that pattern interrupt is like you're on a spiral, you're in a spiral, you're in a loop, um, and and we're like this in our lives all the time. We we have our addictions, we have our patterns, we have our our belief about ourselves and our belief about our community. And when that gets interrupted, and I think that's also just one of the values of virtual reality is that since it since it it it, it envelops your whole sensorium it is a a sense a sensual sense it, it is a oh gosh i can't find the word it's like a sensorial <laughs> yeah it's like a sense that's it sensory there we go yeah. it's a sensory interrupt which which forces you or it can force you into a, a state of presence and reckoning and then as you as you get as as we have game designs that are more more intimate and i think this is this is what I get most excited about with the biometric stuff. Um, I, so I, I just wrote a manifesto. It's going to be going up on the 14th of April, 2020, um, called the Technodelic Manifesto, and it's it's about these sorts of designs. When you when you design something that is 
as a game designer or an experienced designer, and there's so much of this at Burning Man. You know, Burning Man has been, I think, the the hub, the creative hub of so much work right now, or so much work over the last 20, 30 years, and so much, so much like the way people are thinking creatively about experience design. Um, but what um, when you get designers thinking, experienced designers thinking about the whole person. The whole person that is is engaging with the experience and what they bring with them, you know, like they don't just bring. What does the game industry assume people are bringing with them into experience? They assume you're bringing your thumbs and your fingers and and a goal, and a, a sense of competitiveness, maybe. And, and I, I'm being reductive here and a little facetious, but but I it's just to make a point, you know. There's so much more to us. We have our memories. We have our our heartbeats and our. Um, emotions uh we have our uh, uh our brain waves we have a there's so much to a human being and when you can have a system respond to more and meet you on more levels of your being than just where you're than just trying to go from a to b or than just trying to achieve something those, those goals actually those design structures actually meet a person on a relatively superficial level of their being it's basically just your prefrontal cortex you know there's there's and and sometimes a game will, you know, it'll get your heart moving and it'll ride that cortisol spike pattern, uh, you know, cortisol spike, rest, cortisol spike, rest. But there's just like, like people are capable, the human experience is capable of so much more. We can yeah. have uh, deeply compassionate, intimate experiences with one another. We can have spiritual experiences where we notice our connection to everything and the divine. We can have... Um, uh, we could have impassioned experiences of all sorts, you know, We and, and the best of these, or I shouldn't say the best, the most powerful of these sorts of experiences are experiences that don't even um, translate into into sp spoken or written word. So, so this is why I'm excited about biometrics and about virtual reality technology and immersive technology in general, is that it just so strongly lends itself to a design uh, a design mentality that targets a more more intimate level of a person's being, especially once we start getting biometrics in there. It's harder to do that without biometrics. W with sound self, we've had to do that. You know, we use the voice, and that's pretty intimate. It can be pretty intimate, but but I think that one of the things that makes it really tick is that you're in this vocal pattern where you're vocalizing, breathing, vocalizing, breathing, which means that we we implicitly get your breath as well. Right. And with those information, we have have a sense of how relaxed you are, um, versus how uh, if you're playing around, like if you're playing around with your voice, if you're if you're the breath voice pattern is is shifting. We could see if you're curious or playful or even stressed, or we can see if you're relaxed and doing the same rhythm and the same tone again and again. And we use all of that information to give you a really powerful reflective experience. And and those kinds of experiences, I think. They can they can bring a person they can bring a player into into really deeply reflective or, or even transcendent states of consciousness. That's what gaming can do. That's what these that's what experience design can do. Is it can bring you into a transcendent state of consciousness where you are authentically surprised and yeah. where you are so rooted in the moment. But there's a there's a a latency between the technology that supports these things and and the design best practices to actually implement them and and then the enough of those design best practice becoming just a part of how the way things are done so that you, like one of the the challenges with sound self is just explaining to people what it is because there's nothing else that's come out that's like it but once you have 
five, ten of these experiences, then that challenge gets reduced and it becomes a lot easier for people to talk about these experiences, which means it becomes easier in turn to design these sorts of experiences. And I, I think in ten years we're going to see transformative gaming, a lot more transformative gaming and, and very deeply transformative gaming experiences that um, yeah. but time well, will just, tell. Well, just, just looking at something like the progression uh, or the arc of work that's come out of the innovation of Beat Saber, right? And you know, Beat Saber, also you can trace it back to Dance Dance Revolution and Guitar Hero. And it's just like, oh, Dance Dance Revolution, but with your hands, Guitar Hero, but with swords. And then all of the, all of the very popular games that have come through kind of, you know, you know after it and, and through it and around it. And this idea of flow states and rhythm and, um, you know, there's, there are levels of that thing that like I cannot handle like whatsoever, but also, you know, you get a song in there that you like and you can definitely find yourself entering into, you know, a, a physical meditative trance. I do the same thing when I mess around in the lightsaber dojo in, in, in the Vader games, right? Like there's, there's one where like, there's, there's all this stuff you got to learn to do. And you, you know, talk about like using the force, I mean, literally learning how to use the force. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and actually, the, the experiences Lyle was talking about, the EEG experiences, when you talk about using the Force, you know, it's like, I, I remember an experience, this is pre-VR, this was at mm -hmm. Indicade years and years and years ago, they had a, uh, I think it was just called Blow a Watermelon Up With Your Mind, where they strapped an EEG, <laughs> at the time those were expensive, EEG sensors were expensive, but you strap an EEG sensor to your head, and you look at a watermelon, and you just try to blow it up with your brain. Now, what's, <laughs> what's happening is it's just tracking the same focus level that Lyle was talking about. And when you get focused enough, there are explosives planted in the watermelon, and it blows up the watermelon. And there, voila, you've blown up a water. You've used the force to blow up a watermelon with your brain. And, and how powerful is that, you know? <laughs> And the experiences you were just talking about, they're embodied experiences. Look, look, like like we are used to gaming where you are hunched over, sitting hunched over a computer with your hands on a keyboard and a hand on a mouse, or you're in a couch leaned back with a, a controller in your hands. And like, like, how engaged is your body in that? Barely at all. Yeah. So how engaged can you really be in that? Well, I think the only reason we don't say barely at all is for the same reason, you know, when people first saw like a train coming at them in the early cinema, um, black and white cinema, pretty low frames per second. It's just like bad 16 millimeter film. They were, it was terrifying. People ran out and now you look at that and it's, it's, it's ridiculously tame. But, and I think that's, that's gaming today, you know, yeah. like how, how really immersive can an experience be if you're interfacing with it, with your fingers and your thumbs? Well, one and, of the things and, that I find interesting about, you know, when you watch retro games come back along or you, or you play like a, like an old game that was really, really good, so much of it comes down to what is it the thing that you're doing, right? Mm, like what's, mm. what's, the core, what's the core mechanic? What's the core experience of it? And I know, and, and, and you know, look, th that gets refined in bad ways in like mobile gaming of figuring out what the dark loops, like how can we keep someone addicted to doing the same four things over and over or you hear the folks at Bungie talk about you know 30 seconds of fun you know repeated ad 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 infinitum but well, what is that what do they mean I'm, I'm not I'm not oh the 30 seconds that. of fun thing uh, that was from like the 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 days of you know pretty pretty early mid halo 
when they talk, we're talking about like, look, you know, what we're, what their, their, their first design, maybe not their first, but like a major design goal for them is like, refine that 30, did I say 30 minutes? I meant 30 seconds. Define that you said 30, 30 seconds. Good. Um, define that 30 seconds of fun. Define that, that core thing you're going to be doing over and over and over again because at the end of the day, that's the actual experience. How does that experience feel, right? And so when, when people talk about shooters, right, it's like, well, how do the guns feel and this, that, the other thing. And, there, and some people can go like obsessively into detail about all that stuff. But also, and it, and it can also be the thing that, you know, you might have some game, doesn't matter if it's VR or not, and, you know, you like the idea of it, but the core mechanic just doesn't quite work for you and then you you find yourself bouncing off of it right mm. it's like you want to like it but it's like oh there's just something wrong or like you know a legion of a gener generations of people trained to like you know well jumping in a platformer should feel like mario so when it doesn't feel like mario it just feels it just feels wrong or if it feels different it needs to feel different but in a good way like different in a way that's specific and these little tiny things I always think about them as being being things that are completed in the person, right? Like take it into the case of sound self, you create a feedback loop. There is the person's intonation that is that is in dialogue with the sounds that they're hearing and what's going on on the screen. And that that dialogue um action reaction, that relationship for me in any in any interactive whether it's a gaming experience or it's a live interactive experience that's the thing that if it's if if that interaction is 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 compelling the rest of the stuff almost doesn't matter and and that's why people still play Pac-Man or Donkey Kong right like at the end of the day it's that it's that back and forth between you know that's that's where the real fidelity matters the graphics the sound all of that stuff the 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 quality of the props you know the production value you know if you know or, or you think about it in music if the beat's good and you can dance to it oh, yeah, right yeah. you know like it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's on eight track cassette you know, vinyl or blasting through a live sound system, right? If the song is good, the song is good. Mm. I don't think yeah. there's a question there. Like, that's, that's, no, that, that's good though. It's a, it's a good reflection. Like, like the beat is the equivalent of you know that that thir whatever that thirty seconds of fun is. Whatever, whatever the way you're engaging with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That made me think of the fact that like. The beat on Old Town Road is, or the 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 hook on Old Town Road is, uh, the musical hook is off of like one of the night the Nine Inch Nails, um, ghost ones that he just like threw out to the world, like the sixty tracks that he put out one year, and like there's this this hook that was just hanging out there for like the better part of a decade, and then someone comes along and turns it into like the biggest pop song in years, right? You know, if the if the core thing is good, that that drives the whole the whole nine. Is that that is that the song about the horse? Yeah, the the the, the little Nas X one. Yeah, yeah, yeah horse yeah. old time. And there's five like, year old stepson loves that song. Yeah, well, and then there's like a there's like a million remixes of it. So, like, 
like every every artist on the planet has has done you know a remix of that thing at this point or, or featured anyway that's a whole another universe um so talk to me a bit about because because we're about an hour in here um talk to me a bit about you know when sound self is hitting what it, what it's hitting on and then like what's the what's the arc here for the company going forward oh great well i'll start with sound self um and then i'll let lyle take over as he talks about the future uh, sound self's coming out on april 22nd and it's going to be on pc and mac we support uh, pc vr uh, but is it is not required really sound self is an incredibly powerful experience just turn the damn lights off um and uh, on the 14th, which is just a few days from now, we're going to be dropping uh, the Technodelic Manifesto, which is uh, it's a treatise on these these kinds of experiences and what's possible with, with this technology. And it's going to be on Steam and the Oculus Store. Uh, I think the price point is twenty nine ninety five. And uh, what we're doing now, we're using SoundSelf. We're dropping SoundSelf in order to uh, leverage it to to build more and more powerful transformative experiences. And, and Lyle can tell you more about that. Yeah. So we're, I mean, still, still speaking on the biometric side, we are planning with Indicade this year. I'm hoping that the event continues to happen. I feel like it's, it's far enough back. I believe it's in September to, um, to still be in the works, October. but we are planning a biosensor game jam. So, um, focus specifically on finding the creators and developers that want to uh, work within this space. And the, really their only uh, rule or outline for the game jam is that they have to integrate some sort of biosensor into the experience. So we think that that's a great way to cultivate this, this community even more. And then as Andromeda is a publisher, um, we we're really focused on what those next titles are going to look like. And we're talking with, Android Jones and his team, they have another version of Microdose um, VR um, that they haven't released. I got to, to play it uh, a couple weeks ago and that's uh, using a polar, um, a polar uh, basically like a sweatband that measures HRV um, and that creates the visuals and experience um, with Android's art. Um, I'm not sure how much we could talk about that, but that's one of the experiences we're looking at um, as well as, as talking to some amazing developers and, and looking at what games, you know, either induce this flow state or um, this meditative um, approach, but also making it adventurous and fun and engaging. And, and something Robin and I talk about a lot is a lot of this biohacking culture or even like things like the Muse headband. I mean, I love the fact that they're pioneering and they've, they've hit the market more so than most, but uh, you know, it's a lot of this stuff is food that is really good for you. It's like very nutritious food to eat, but it doesn't taste good. So mm -hmm. uh, the whole premise around our company is finding food that's really good for you and it tastes delicious. So it's enjoyable and it's giving your, your body and mind and soul a benefit. Um, so, you know, that's, that's really our, our focus and what that looks like now, we haven't decided on, on the next title after SoundSelf, but we're, we're very much, uh, you know, on the lookout for it. That point about, about the food, <laughs> aside from the fact that like, I'm always hungry. It also made me think of, you know, just how transformative it is when you're young 
although I'm, I'm still, I'm an omnivore, but like uh, how transformative it is when you're young and you have like a really good like vegetarian or vegan meal for the first time and suddenly you're like, oh, this isn't just, you know, you know, shove a bunch of uncooked spinach in your mouth, right? You know, it's not that there's anything wrong with like uncooked, uncooked spinach. I like a good spinach salad. But um, that, 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 uh, that opening up of the palate, literally opening up of the palate um, based on technique is, is really important uh, culinary, culinary speaking and in all forms of experiences. I think, I think that remains true. Right, you know, mm. if the first, if the first movie you ever saw was bad. You might decide you don't like movies, but the truth was, it was just like no, that's just that was just a bad movie, and that's true for everything. Right, yeah, and another thing I definitely like to mention, and I'm sure Robin would kick me if I if I didn't say anything, but the the other side of our company being that you know as a traditional game publisher, we're looking at all these platforms that exist currently and and putting our titles on them. I had a friend recently tell me that what Andromeda is doing um, for the video game industry is similar to selling meditation cushions at a gun show. Um, so, you know, the market is, is very small and it's not really um, ready that they don't, there's people all there to buy these action shooter games and there's not really a space right now for, for these wellness um, titles to arrive. So we've been really focused on creating this LBE, this location-based experience network. And that that could look like a lot of things, either schools and children's hospitals, or, uh, you know, the VR arcades are the, the biggest form of it now, but it's everything that you work in. Now. It's all the immersive, uh, permanent immersive art installations. It's wellness centers. It's these new biohacking centers that are opening up. Float spas. And, and uh, yeah, Float Spas, um, one of our big partners, True Rest Float Spa, which has, uh, I think they have over 60 locations now across the U.S. Um, we're working with them on integrating our content into their pods. Um, and what that looks like is retrofitting the float pod with a projector and, and quality speakers and a, a wire running a gaming computer from like their front office to allow people to flip a switch if they don't want to float in a deprivation tank to now have a fully immersive biofeedback experience inside the float pod. So it's really, we're building out like this new network and marketplace for people that may not be gamers um, or may not have a VR headset that could go into all these different locations and be able to experience our content. And what we're also seeing is that a lot of these um, biohacking places and, and wellness spas, they're all, they all have a lot of really high-end hardware um, but they don't have a lot of content. So we really see ourselves as providing um, like this curated library of content um, for, for these, these spaces. That stuff would be really cool to see come to fruition. I mean, I think the rough thing right now, of course, is that it's, it, it's an air ball right now. Like everything is so... It's very much an air ball. <laughs> yeah. Everything's... Yeah, so... On that note, too, we're, we're developing something. Uh, we haven't really figured out the name yet. It's like a meditation pod, but essentially it's doing the same thing as what we're doing in float tanks where you don't need a VR headset. You could go into this pod. Um, it will fit like up to three people, maybe four. It'll have a haptic bed, um, surround sound, um, and then it'll have a projector with like this really cool mirror that allows it to kind of form fit around this pod. It's like a 10-foot diameter pod. Uh, maybe I think it's going to be about five feet tall 
And that, that makes it very easy for these LBEs to not have to deal with hardware and troubleshooting. It's like an all-encompass package um, of these like, you know, Ascension pod um, type experiences. And with this air ball that's currently happening where we've been working on the prototype of this pod and, and realizing that we need to have some sort of cleaning solution. And luckily there's like these UV lights that hospitals and things use to disinfect. So we may even have like this men in black style cleaning mode where, you know, as soon as somebody gets out of the experience, it flashes quickly and completely, um, you know, sanitizes the area with light. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's great that, that we're in this airball mode now while we could still adjust and, uh, you know, create, um, yeah, the final product based around that. Yeah. The adjusting to what the, the, the new normal is going to be is something that everyone, uh, throughout, throughout the events industry is going to have to do. And even though it's something you may not have the energy to do necessarily at the moment, I know that it's just like it's absolutely critical that we start thinking about, you know, what what are people's expectations going to be? Because I think there's a lot of fear around the idea that people aren't going to want to gather, and I think that's that is evidently not true because the number one problem that has happened at the start of this thing is trying to get people to stop gathering. Like that drive is so strong. Mm-hmm. That even in the face of no really, even in the face of like, hey, if we all just like, if everyone stopped what they were doing, stayed in place for like two weeks and really like no one went anywhere, which is literally impossible. But like if almost no one went anywhere, we could drop the RO on this thing so low that the damn thing would die out. But we can't. So what are we going to, what what is it going to be in the future? You know, how are... And, 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 and everyone's going to face this. So it's not just people like innovating like you guys thinking about, okay, well, how are we going to clean these pods in between people using them? It's Disney. It's, um, you know, it's Meow Wolf. It's, <laughs> I was going to say it's cruise liners, but like really maybe that should just end. Uh, it's, it's, it's bars, it's restaurants, it's barbershops, right? Like there's so, so it's nightclubs. It's, it's definitely the large scale uh, events. It's movie theaters. Everyone's going to have to come up with like new protocols. Um, and what's good for us in this weird way is because so many of our people are rooted in the idea of experience design, then thinking about how is this not super awkward and how is it also something that's safe for people, safe for the employees and can just kind of be like integrated into the, the 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 overall experience for folks so that we can get to something that feels more like the old world but is safer right like that's sort of where i feel like everyone's got to start projecting forward like what does that look like um and we've got nothing else to do but like iterate on it mentally at the moment for there's I mean, a lot moments. of really creative people right now that are just thinking and building. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really, you know, this is the power of a pattern interrupt is you get, you get, you get a lot of new ideas coming into the space. You have mm. to. Yeah. You, there's no such thing as business as usual anymore, which means this moment is a real opportunity. Yeah. We, we get to, we get to change, we get to change our habits 
and we can change our habits from a fearful place or we could change our habits from a co-creative space like like look you know it's a pattern interrupt what do you want to be different about the world what do you want you know for me it's more it's more meaningful experiences it's people having a, a more meaningful relationship with their technology but for you know for everyone right now there's an opportunity to create something new um if we can if we can step out of the fear you know you you just you touched on that in a way that reminded me you know for the vast majority of people who are experiencing this and everyone's experiencing this you know they're because they're not they're not experienced designers they don't think about immersive experiences they 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 don't touch on this stuff a lot they don't know some of like you know the the, the pressures that we're kind of under and everything here is so new all of us can really kind of look at this and see how hard it is and see things shut down and watch companies you know do layoffs and put people on furlough and things come grinding to a halt and it feels like the the the, the dream we had is in danger and yet if the knowledge that exists in this space is probably the kind of knowledge that we need going forward. This is an opportunity, even when, even on a day like for me today, very, very hard for me today to feel like this is an opportunity. Um, today's, oh. We'll talk about some of that stuff off air, <laughs> but like today, today, the day we're recording this has been a bummer of a day. Um, and it's, it's, it makes it hard to see that other way of it, which is that most people don't know about all the work that's being done. Most people don't know about that idea of, you know, the, 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 the quality of the experience and about what, what relationship do people want to have with their technology? What relationship do people want to have with their with the world? And everything in the design ethos of this space is about giving people that co-creative role and inculcating that as as the the table stakes. So Charles, do you know Charles Eisenstein's work? I don't. He's a brilliant, brilliant thinker. He just wrote an essay called The Coronation, which is, I think, should be required reading for everyone uh, right now. It's it's such a necessary take on what's going on. Toss me the and link when you makes, get a chance. Uh, I'll, I, I, I listened to it. He did a podcast. and so. Um, but if you just look up his name, Charles Eisenstein and The Coronation, I'm, I'm sure it'll come up. It's, it's an essay. Um, he's got a spoken word version of it. He said this, there was, man, there were so many parts of it that just like, I'm going to have to listen to it again because there was so much that just shook me beautifully, inspiringly. But he said this thing that's like, look, what a pattern interrupt like this does is it means that at the end of it, because you're not in the same loops you were starting, you, you get to approach those loops with the same amount of friction as you would anything else. So, so let's say, let's say before the the coronavirus you were in the habit of going to bars every night now that could that could be that could be great or that that could be less great that could be great or that could be an old habit that's dying hard you know so but when you're stuck inside for months 
once that ends, now you have now you have to make a choice. What wasn't a choice before because it was a habit. Every habit we've had about our lifestyle at, at the end of this becomes a choice. Do you want to go back to that or do you want to start something new? It's a little bit like with a juice cleanse. When you do a, a <laughs> juice cleanse does that for your food choices, you know. Do you want to go back to eating carbs and sugar? Or because you, you can, that's but but it's no longer just a habit. Now you can make that choice or you can choose something else and build a new mm. habit. So he makes the point that, you know, th there's a huge opportunity here because there's so many habits that we're all collectively in together that we're not even aware we're doing because we're all doing them together. We're, we're blinding each other and ourselves by by our um, consensus. Mm. So something that's like amazing. this ends. And and you ha now you have to choose, and now we as a culture have to choose, which means that we we get a, a surprising opportunity to let go of lots of stuff that doesn't serve us, and to create something new. It also means that the things that were really serving us that were habitual, like like you know, freely getting together in public spaces to discourse, we we have to actively choose that again as well. Right. It that's not going to just start again. You know, imagine as soon as as soon as the uh, um, as soon as the quarantine lifts going your first time going to a public space again is it's not going to happen it's not going to be it's not going to be a habit like it is for you usually you're going to make that choice yeah so th what th all that boils down to is this is a moment of habit breaking and habit making and as creators i think that 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 extends to everything in people's lives, including the kind of media they consume and the way they consume that media, including the entertainment people consume, including the ways people think, you know, everything is up for grabs right now. And, and as creatives, we have such an incredible opportunity. And I don't know if we'll have this opportunity, an opportunity like this again in my lifetime to to step out and author a new way of being and a new way of doing together. Yeah, that's. Robin, I, I would leave. I want to just add a, on that note. What? Oh, Lyle, go for it. Oh, oh yeah. I was just going to add. I mean, I did just meet Charles uh, at Esalon actually uh, a couple of weeks ago, right before all of this, which is interesting. But you know, the way that I've been looking at it is that every day you get to actively choose whether you're going to go into a hole or go through a portal. So like every single day I've been thinking about that. Are you going to go down the hole of sleeping in and, you know, binge watching Netflix and choosing to watch the media, or are you going to go through the creative portal that this is creating? Um, and it's, you know, every single day it's, you have to make that choice actively. And I see it as this ability to embrace the structure that this could provide just because we don't have any other distractions. So it could either completely destabilize you and you fall into this hole or you're creating this portal of structure and habit building that you've never had the opportunity to do before. And like my morning routine, my evening routine, the way that my day is structured now is more structured than it's ever been. And I have to consciously make that choice every day. And I think that, you know, with, with things like Instagram and all these amazing live streams of all these classes and workshops and things that are for free now, you could really structure your life like a music festival where it's constant programming. And, you know, that comes back to SoundSelf as well. It's like, are you going to plug in and escape the reality um, through Call of Duty? Or are you going to plug into an experience that 
um, creates this sense of well-being and, you know, perpetuates throughout the entire day. All right. On that note, I'm going to stop down the podcast uh, recording in a second. Guys, how do people connect with Andromeda and uh, zero in on both the manifesto that's coming and on Sound Self, which is also going to be dropped? Drop. The, the manifesto will be out before uh, this episode airs, even though we've, we've been here, you know, live in the studio, as it were. Uh, uh, but uh, the, and Sound Self will be coming out after. So how do people find you? You can uh, find us on uh, our, our handle most places is Enter Andromeda. Andromeda spelled like the galaxy. So our Twitter, E-N-T-E-R-A-N-D-R-O-M-E-D-A. And SoundSelf, you can learn more at SoundSelf.com. Make sure you watch our teaser. Our teaser is really, really unique. Uh, and uh, Or if you use Steam, you can go to Steam. Just look up SoundSelf, a technodelic on Steam. And, uh, and you'll be able to wishlist us there if it's before April 22nd or if it's after April 22nd, you'll just be able to buy it there. And if you use Oculus, you can use the Oculus Store. Again, the game is called SoundSelf, a technodelic, and the URL is soundself.com. And that's going to be on all PC-enabled headsets. So Rift, Val, the, the, Val, the Vives, the Index, yeah, all these different names. Um, and then um, if you've got the Oculus link for, for the Quest, you'll be able to do it that way. That's these, correct, correct, yeah. Great. And you can also just do it on a flat screen with the lights off. Nice. So that's both PC and Mac for, for the flat screen, which is amazing that we're getting it on Apple. You know, that's really good. Particularly because, like, you know, you can take a – if you've got a MacBook and a, and a um, Apple TV, you're usually able to get the, get the visuals – on the biggest screen you got so and having having experienced sound self uh on on a you know a, a biggish screen in person i recommend that experience as well Once again, I want to thank Robin and Lyle for being our guests on the show today. Check the show notes out to get links to Andromeda and to Sound Self and to Robin's Technodilic Manifesto. That's it for this edition of No Persinium. I kind of said everything that I might want to say, you know, at the start of the show. So if you're if you skipped over that, uh, go go back. I don't I don't know. You don't have to do 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 what you want to do, so long as you do it safely. And uh, these days, you do it inside. Um, no, go out for a walk if you can find a spot where it isn't crowded by people. I, I need to go do that. I really need to go do that. It's driving me. I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. All right. Uh, music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston. Congratulations, Ari. Sam Kinkin, Sydney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, and Brittany. You can find everything we do at nopersinium.com. We're at nopersinium on Twitter and Facebook. We're at no underscore persinium on the Instagram. Um, that's it. That's it for now. Until next time, I'll see you somewhere. Don't know where, but I'll see you.